Well, welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. We are in Isaiah, Isaiah, the 58th chapter. And uh, let's pick it up again at verse 5, Isaiah 58, 5. And what Isaiah is talking about is he's, he's criticizing people who, um, you know, would do the right thing, the religious thing, even the apparently spiritual thing, but their hearts weren't in the right place. Uh, they were guilty of so many sins, but yet they were able to do, you know, fasting or something like that. And Isaiah challenges them. He says, is this the kind of fast that I have chosen? Actually, it's the Lord speaking through Isaiah. Only a day for man to humble himself. That's what you do when you fast. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes, humbling yourself? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose chains of just injustice? To untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry? And to provide for the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. There's an issue today. A lot of people don't want to participate in the taking care of their own flesh and blood. It's called family. By the way, that commandment, honor thy father and mother, was not given to children. It was given to adults. You say, well, that's rotten. (laughs) Well, that's the way it is. We're supposed to honor them. Uh, you know what? I got an email from some idiot the other day. What was that? Uh, oh, some guy who his mother-in-law had to move in with him. Had to move in because he had no other place to go. And he said, I just, I felt like my needs weren't being met anymore, so I moved out. Oh, seriously, I went off on that boy. I said, you wuss. They're whining and belly aching about your mother. Oh, my knees are getting mad. Said, you're out of the man club. <laughs> Turn in your testicles. You're out of the man club. That's, 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 that's what I said to him. <laughs> I ain't going to hold back now, baby. <laughs> Claim to be a man whining like a baby. My in-laws take too much of our attention. Oh, shut up. Don't turn away your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger, the malicious talk, all this whining and belly aching and backbiting. I used to have angel's wings, but the backbiters got me. Took them off. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become uh, like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs. In a sun-scorched land, he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. 
If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable. If you honor it by not going your own way, not doing as you please or speaking idle words. Then you will find joy in the Lord and I will cause you to rise on the heights of the land. And to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. So what he's really talking about is, you know, you can do the right things, but if underneath it you're still doing all kinds of wrong things, it doesn't do you any good. You know, if you're still, you know, being mean to your family and and not helping people who are in need and criticizing people and being malicious and talking about them all the time and, you know, all this kind of stuff. He says it's a bunch of baloney. He says, I don't care if you are fasting when you do this. You know, it's, it's like taking cologne when you really stink. It's still just stinky cologne. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like, come on, who are you? God's basically saying, who are you kidding? And, uh, and we talked about this. We talked about uh, reality in Christianity, about fighting for the things that matter. Don't get caught up for the, on the things that do not matter. Don't go all crazy about things that don't matter. So I went all psycho crazy the last time I was talking about this and <laughs> talking about issues and, and I got a few more I want to bring up so uh, let me pick up where I left off now now, now, now here's the deal with this now understand this is more for your benefit of understanding me there are debatable issues in the kingdom of God the Bible says don't get caught up in debate so I'm not going to get caught up but I'm just going to give you my 10 cents worth uh, where I come from on these issues and uh, remember uh, we make a delineation in, at Celebration Church between what we believe and what we think. You guys remember that? There are things we believe. These are non-negotiables. We believe in God the Father, His Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of sins. These are the fundamental things that we believe in. We do not debate or, uh, or consider these things open for discussion. All right? Then there's things we think. You know, and people say, what do you think the Bible says about this? Or what do you guys think about this or the other? Uh, usually people say, well, what do you believe about such and such? Well, I'll tell you what I think, you know, but I, we, I don't put, we don't put in the belief category, you know, and I think there's room for people to think differently, you know, for example, like the end times, you know, you got all people who believe all kinds of things or think all kinds of things about, you know, this is how the world's going to end or this is how this is going to happen. They're all, it, we don't get much of that anymore, thank God, but back in the 80s, you remember the 80s, those of you were around, we used to fight over that stuff like a bunch of morons. We're all dying going to hell and we're arguing about when the rapture's coming or if there is a rapture and what a rapture means and maybe it really meant a rupture and you know, who knows what they're talking about. <laughs> I tell you, I believe in the pan theory. It'll all pan out in the end. You know, it'll be fine. What are you going to do? You're not going to go if you don't agree with the way it's happening. I'm sorry, God. You can't take me because this isn't how I thought it would happen in the book of Revelation. I'm sorry. What are you going to do? You know, don't get all crazy about stuff that doesn't matter. You think what you think, fine. Share what you think. But be a little more humble. Humble means, this is what I think, but I could be wrong. You know, some of you, it wouldn't kill you to have that conversation with other people. Like your spouse. This is what I think. I may, however, be wrong. (laughs) But we don't do that, you know. When everybody's mad, I'm right. I'm right. I'm just right. I can't possibly be wrong. You know. Check your medication, for heaven's sakes, all right? You might be wrong. How many of you know it's possible? Just within the realm of possibility, you're wrong about what you're arguing about. You ever been there? And then when you find out you're wrong, boy, do you hate that. 
<laughs> yeah, not so quick to come and talk then, are we? And it's like, you know, you were right, I was wrong. No, it's like, just hope the subject changes. I don't know, I don't know, I don't remember what we were talking about. Yeah, you know. So anyway, um, reality in Christianity, not getting caught up in craziness or things that do not really matter. That's why we want to put an emphasis on things that do matter. And we try to lean on those things and not get caught up in things that don't. James talks about this in James the first chapter, verse 22. Encouraging the faithful. He says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. You have to do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Okay? It's like looking in the mirror and you see you've got egg on your face. And you go, ooh, 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 I have egg on my face. I should do something about it. But then you walk away and you forget. You know, it's like coming to church when God speaks to you and deals with you about something. And you know you should stop doing something or start doing something you haven't been doing, whatever. And yes, yes, oh God, yes, yes. As soon as you walk out of church, you know, where are we going to go eat? You know, you forget about the whole deal. And you don't follow through. The Bible says don't be like that. You have to be doers of the word, just not listeners. Oh, that was a great sermon. What good does that do if you don't walk it out? We've got to walk out our faith. But the man who looks intently, intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. He uses an example. He says, if anyone considers himself religious, I'm very religious, I love the Lord, yet does not keep his a tight rein on his tongue, talking and just like Isaiah talking about malicious talking, gossiping, you know. Of course, we spiritualize our gossip. You know, we say, you know, we need to pray for Pastor Mark. Yes, yes. This isn't gossip. This is a prayer request. Yes, he's a big fat jerk. We need to pray for him. You know. Well, you spiritualize it all you want. You're gossiping. You're criticizing, you know. You know, we need to pray for my neighbor. He's possessed of the devil. I hate him, you know. But we're just we're making me a matter of prayer. And you're just venting garbage on people. Don't do that. Anyone who does that kind of thing, who considers himself really a man or woman of God, yet doesn't know how to keep their mouth shut, constantly vomiting whatever comes along the way, every time they're upset about something, they're criticizing something, he or she deceives themselves. And their religion is what? There you go, one person. Worthless! Worthless, there it is. We got just one word on the screen? Oh, that's why she knew what it was. Good girl. I knew it was worthless. Worthless. Your religion is worthless. Are you hearing what he's saying? I mean, this is a big deal. We're talking about people who, just like Isaiah was talking to his day, people who, they're fasting, and they're not eating, and they're suffering, and they're humbling themselves, and they're being very spiritual and doing this thing, but they're all full of baloney. Because they don't get rid of the icky stuff that's in them. 
Well, here James is saying, look, you can be a Christian. Well, I tithe, I give, I volunteer at the church, I come to all the services. But if you're a busy mouth and you're a critical, nasty person, all of it is what? Worthless. The word's not up there anymore, but you remember it. It's worthless. You mean to tell me everything I'm doing is worthless? I'm not telling you that. The Bible's telling you that. It's worthless. We got to live this stuff out. We have to be consistent. I don't care how much you give and tithe and volunteer and stuff. If you're walking around being mean and critical and nasty and complaining about stuff all the time, you need to hush your mouth. Somebody say amen. Amen. And when you hear people do that, tell them to hush their mouths. I know you won't do it because you don't like confronting people, but seriously, you need to say, dude, you need to be quiet. Stop. Why? Um, I just need to pray about it. Well, pray about it, but keep your mouth shut to me about it. I don't want to hear you vomiting all over me. And I promise you, the way it always works, thank God we don't have any of it going on right now, but every once in a while, you know, you get one or two people who are really mad. And then everybody else gets mad because they're mad. You people, don't be like that. Peace-natured people, you know, you just get upset because someone's upset. Oh, I just oh, oh, they're upset. Something must be wrong. The Lord must have left the building. Stop! Don't let somebody who has a cow take away your peace. Somebody say amen. Hold on to your peace. Don't let somebody rob it. Don't get freaked out because somebody else is upset. Help them any way you can, or encourage them to go to talk to whoever they need to. But don't get all freaked out. I know I'm talking to the walls, you know, people. Just don't change the way they act. You know, don't get all upset when somebody else is upset. Stop that. Religion that our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To pray and seek God and to read lots of scriptures and to lead worship at Celebration Church and to volunteer at the tables out there. And this is what is really, really pure religion. Now, are those things wrong? Of course not. Are those things good? Yes, all of it's good. But what he's trying to say is, look, in the end, if we don't really help people, what is the point? Real religion, he says, is look after orphans and widows in their distress. Keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Really living this stuff out. Now, i got to be careful here. Well, what the heck. Let's go for it. Let's uh, look at Mark, the 15th chapter. 16th chapter. 16th chapter. Because that's right after the 15th chapter. 16th chapter, verse 15. This is the Great Commission. Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation." Now, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands when they drink Deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. These are the signs that will follow those who believe. What he's trying to say is that 
One of the things about people who really live out this gospel is their, li- their lives will be marked by supernatural events. Okay? Some rather dramatic, maybe others not quite so dramatic, but it's, it's just that God shows up. Now, I think one of the things, you know, we don't see as many miracles. In my, I don't know about you, but this is what I think. I don't think we see nearly as many miracles, divine miracles of God in the church today. And I'm not talking about this church, but all churches. The church, the church of Jesus Christ, people who believe in Jesus. We don't see nearly miracles that we should be seeing. Okay? And really, there can only be one reason for it. Us. You know? And Isaiah, we're going to see this when we get back to Isaiah and how he starts talking about, you know, you need to get this stuff right. If you get this stuff right, I'll show up. Basically, that's what we were just reading, right? You'll call upon me, I'll be there and stuff like that, you know? Uh, we're about to read where he says, your sins have separated you from you, from your God. Because see, they didn't understand it. Why isn't God showing up? And, and, and Isaiah's trying to say, well, look at the way you live. And at some point, we have to be honest and say, you know, we're, we're not where we should be spiritually. I'm not where I should be spiritually. I need to grow. The church needs to grow. You need to grow. But you know what? I'm not going to pretend to be something that I'm not. And I'm not going to fake it. Do you hear me? We're not going to fake it. We're not going to pretend miracles when miracles aren't happening like they should be happening. Okay? Now, this is where I'm getting in trouble with some people. If you get mad, just get in line. Okay? But I'm just, I'm just telling you what I think. But I got for a guy who came out of the charismatic world, if there's one thing that just grieves my heart is I think that because of our selfishness, because of our rebellion, because of our willingness to criticize all the pastors and spiritual leaders in our lives and, and willingness to divorce our spouses like they're nothing but toilet paper and just do all the things, and then we come and we worship Jesus. But because of all our sins that we haven't taken seriously, I think this has kept the power of God from being the reality it should be in our church. So what, I get depressed about it? No, I mean, it's just, let's be honest and let's grow and let's humble ourselves and say, God, help us get to where we need to be. And I'll tell you, you know, if there's one thing the church in America needs today, it needs, it needs a, really, a real revival, a real renewal of dedication to God and taking this stuff seriously. But you know what's going to come first? It's, it's got to come a time of repentance, a time where we admit, you know, we're not what we should be. Okay, what, what, what did Isaiah say? What did God say over and over again throughout the, all of Kings when these guys were so wicked and evil? He said, guys, you are missing it. But if you'll just acknowledge your sins and get it right, I will restore you. Okay? I think our problem is the church, and again, I'm talking about the church at large, particularly in, in America, is really hesitant to admit its sins. We don't really want to admit we're blowing it. You know, we think it's everybody else's fault. You know, that uh, if we just have the right programs, you know, the churches will grow. And, and some churches are successful at it. They have gigantic churches because of programs. But, you know, I'm not interested in having some kind of a Christian country club. What's the point of that? You know, I want to see God show up and really touch people's lives. And, and really see some miracles happen and stuff. But, uh, okay, now this is where I'll get some of you mad and just, just blow it off on me. But particularly in, 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 in the world that I came out of, uh, the, the Christian world, you know, of, of uh, Pentecostalism and all that, which a lot of it is great, but some of it is just flat out crazy, is we, we fake it. We've been fake. We've been faking it. I think at least since the 70s, we've just been faking it. You're supposed to be casting out devils, right? Going out, setting people free. 
Well, who's doing that today? Almost nobody. So what do we do? We try and cast demons out of each other. Are you hearing me? You know, Christians, casting demons out of Christians. And I know some people don't agree with me. Get in line. But seriously, why do we pursue such behavior? Because, well, we're supposed to be casting out devils. Yeah, out there. Not in here. You mean to tell me that I can have Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, living on the inside of me and still be possessed of a demon? It just, it, it defies all logic. But we got to go through these deliverance services and we got to do all this stuff because we're faking it. We're faking it. We got to pretend God's moving in some great way and jerry-rig stuff and get ourselves all whipped up in a lather. And I tell you, no, I'm not going to do it. I refuse to do it. I will not do it. You know, where is the power of God that should be happening? You know, really, about the end of the 70s and 80s, particularly in Pentecost, and again, don't get mad at me. I'm just challenging you. At least you know where I come from and why you don't see me do these things. But this whole thing of being slain in the Spirit. All right? And I know some of you have done it, and you'll testify, and I'm not going to fight you about it. If you believe God knocked you on the floor and you were unconscious for 30 days, okay, fine. Seriously. But I've been in enough of these. I've spent more time in services than some of you have been to work in the last month. I've been raising this stuff. And I tell you, I have seen it and 99% of it is BS. They are faking it. They're falling down. These evangelists are pushing people to the ground. I watched. I'm up there playing the piano. When I was playing the piano for all these years in Oregon and revival services, these people slain in the spirit because they fall to the ground. As soon as you walk away, then the women adjust their dresses, you know, and they're back down. You know, I mean, come on. You're either out or you're out, right? You know, oh, if people are falling down and and you know they're on the ground and their eyes are open. They see a great big fat guy getting ready to fall down. They move over a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, come on. Who are we kidding for crying out loud? Say, because we're not really seeing miracles. We make stuff up. And I just reject it out of hand. We're not going to play games and pretend. So instead of seeing people saved and filled with the Spirit and getting set free and changing the world and real miracles of healing, Pentecostal churches today, by and large, charismatic, they're just thrilled. Oh, if we just get people falling on the floor. God really showed up. Why? Everybody fell on the floor. It's God showing up. What are you talking about? Where in the Bible do you even see that? So, well, the power of God was so strong, I fell on the ground. Okay, but by your logic, when Jesus walked around, everybody should have just been flapping like fish. <laughs> right? Don't you think he had a little more power God on him than you got? <laughs> or some curly-haired evangelist has? Everywhere Jesus would have went, people would have been flapping, flap, 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 flap. He probably couldn't have talked to anybody because they were flopping all the time. Well, the Bible talks about it. You know, when Jesus said, I am he, they fell back. They were heathens coming to arrest the Son of God. You come on, try and take it on the Son of God, you're going to fall back too. But they weren't laying on the floor singing songs. Well, brother, you know, you just don't understand the scriptures. Revelation, you know, he, he fell in the spirit. Really? Really, let's read that. Revelation's the first chapter. Revelation, first chapter, verse 12. This is Paul, or not Paul, this is John on the Isle of Patmos. He's been, you know, suffering for the Lord's sake. And all of a sudden he hears this noise. 
And in verse 12 he says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone dressed like the son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest, his hair and his head and hair were white like wool, like Pastor Mark, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire and his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. I don't think he's exaggerating. I think this is what he saw. I was like, wow, the guy's feet are on fire. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. See brother, there he is. He was slain in the spirit. He wasn't slain in the spirit. He was freaked out. He was so scared to death. Then Jesus puts his hand on me and says, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I promise you. If I'm by myself in the middle of the night and I'm praying and I turn around and I see, woo, I'm freaking out, dude. I'm hitting the ground. Ah! You know, you know, if you just hear a bump, someone's like, whoa, you know, or you ever have somebody come up and tap you on the shoulder, you didn't know they were there? Whoa, you know, your heart stops for a second. Can you imagine turning? You're the only guy there. And you turn around and whoa, whoa, I mean, oh man. So I don't know, look, if you've had experiences like that or someone, you know, don't criticize them. And if you have it, great, God bless you. But all I'm saying, at least at a minimum, you have to agree it's an extra biblical thing that they're experiencing. Because it's not in the Bible. Now, not everything has to be in the Bible per se. Cars are not in the Bible. We drive cars. Airplanes are not in the Bible. I just landed one, okay? You know, it's not that every single experience, but I'm telling you, what I have seen, this is my own personal opinion, it's what I think, it's not what I believe, it's what I think. My own personal opinion, what I have seen out of what should have been spirit-filled churches experiencing the power of God, what happened is we quit experiencing the power of God, not knowing why, because obviously our sins and our selfishness and everything else, so then we quit, we, we couldn't make it, so we started to fake it. And I reject that. I will not fake it. I'm not going to get up here and pretend to be something I'm not. I'm not going to get up here and pretend that miracles are happening when they're not. I'm going to get here and push somebody on the floor and trip them and say, that was Jesus pushing them down in the power of God. God forbid. I refuse to do that kind of stuff. It's time that if we're going to do this stuff, let's do it real. Now, having said all that, do we need to have more of the power of God in our churches? I absolutely do. I believe that. We really do. But it's, but it's not something you can fake. And it's not something you can force. You know, there's times in the Bible, you'll see in the Old Testament, it says where the, where the word of the Lord was rare. You remember those? Where the Lord of the word. I really think we're in a time like that right now. I think the Lord of the Lord is pretty rare. It's kind of rare when God's really showing up in great power. I think if we'll just get our hearts right. You know what we need right now? We need a John the Baptist moment. You know, John the Baptist came around and just yelled at people. And said, stop it! What's the matter with you people? Stop it! He eventually got his head chopped off. <laughs> Took off the wrong guy. But I mean, you know, we, it's simple. We just need to stop. Come on, we know. Real Christianity, real love, patience, forgiveness, righteousness, purity of heart. Let's seek after these things. Does that mean we shouldn't pray? Or we shouldn't volunteer? Or we shouldn't fast? Of course we should do all those things. But don't fool yourself thinking that I can do these things and hate my husband. I can do these things and be real critical towards other people in the church I just don't like. 
and, and, and all these. And I'm telling you, God is not fooled by that stuff. It takes whatever good you're doing and it makes it just reek to God. And what we need is simplicity of faith. Let's live this stuff right. You know, at the end of the day, we may not be raising a whole lot of people from the dead. You know, but man, at least let's do this right. Let's be kind to people. Be nice. I'm amazed how many Christians are just mean as rattlesnakes. Of course, we call it righteous indignation. You know, I'm mad for Jesus. You know, I I hate your guts, but I do it in the name of God. You know, because I'm so right and you're so wrong. We get mad and mean and nasty. Just slow down a little bit. Let's be nice people. Let's be kind. Let's let the spirit of the living God live in us. Let's stop doing things that we know are blatantly immoral. We've got a lot of that going on today. I mean, it's just like, it's like people can't stop. Yes, we can stop. The spirit of God still lives inside of us. Let's do the right thing. Now, this is not to condemn people who are struggling with sins in your life. We all struggle with different things. But it's one thing to struggle and to admit you're struggling and asking God to help you. It's another thing just to do it and dismiss it. That doesn't matter. Or pretend it's not there. You can't just pretend it's not there. You know, we need to live this stuff out. And that's kind of really the whole message that Isaiah was trying to say. In the 58th chapter. We've got a few more minutes here. Let's jump into chapter 59. He says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. Nor is his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. So that he will not hear. Your hands are stained with blood. Your fingers with guilt, hands stained with blood. What do you mean? We're going around murdering people? Not today. I'm sure they did back then. But man alive, you know, to talk, you know, it's one issue we hardly ever talk about. I just assume people of faith understand the issue of abortion is a horrible thing to do. People of faith should not be doing this. Do you know how many Christians, parents, rush their daughters into abortion chambers? Pastors who for fear fear of their ministry because someone might hear that my daughter got pregnant and we can't have that it's a threat to the ministry so they take their daughters if you if you doubt me all you got to just talk to people who actually run these things because they, they look at some christians and they just think we're all so full of baloney so i know pastors in your city who've had their daughters out of abortions and stuff seriously we shed blood we hide our sins we rationalize Our fingers with guilt, our lips have spoken lies, our tongue mutters wicked things. No one calls for justice, no one pleads his case uh, with integrity. People are relying on empty arguments, they speak lies. Now he's talking about, you know, 3,000 years ago whenever this was all going on. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil, but there's there's analogies today. Again, when we say, because what they're basically we're wondering is where is God? Where is God? Why aren't we seeing more of God? And he said, well, I'll tell you why. Your, your iniquities have separated you. Your sins have hidden his face from you. We, if you feel like God is not around anymore, guess who moved? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why we just need to be honest 
And you know, and again, it's not about condemning people. I don't have, there's, there's hardly anything any of you could tell me that would cause me to have nothing to do with you. You know, there, there's, and, and I'm just me. I, I'm sure God is a lot nicer than I am. How many think that's probably, probably true, you know? <laughs> you know, there's nothing you can say that will cause him to just be repelled and leave you. And I've heard it all. I think I've heard it all. Every once in a while someone takes me to a new level, but... You know, I don't hate people because they struggle. I don't hate people because they sin. I don't hate people because they lied and cheated. But admit your sin. And say, Lord, help me not to be like that. You know, what I did was wrong. You know, we would all learn so much if we could just learn to say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'm sorry. You know how hard that is for people? It's like giving birth to an elephant, for heaven's sakes, you know. They cannot say they're sorry. I know couples, people come to me and say, you know, in 25 years, I've never heard my wife ever say the words, I'm sorry. My husband in 25 years, I've never heard him say the words, I'm sorry. Seriously? If there's any two words Christians should have down to an art form and be comfortable with, it's the two words, I'm sorry. Why? Because we should be aware of our infirmities, aware of our sins, aware of our weaknesses, aware of our mistakes. You have a problem saying you're sorry? Don't be like that. Be humble so you mess up. I have messed up from time to time. I know it's hard to imagine (laughs) that I would get impatient, that I would say something I shouldn't say, that I would, you know, do something I shouldn't do, think something I shouldn't think. I have well rehearsed the words, I'm sorry, (laughs) I've done it to God, I've done it to my wife, I've done it to my children. Or you sit down and say, you know what? I I shouldn't have gotten so mad, I shouldn't have, I'm sorry. I'm your dad, I should know better. You know, you think that's easy? That's hard, but we got to get comfortable with that. We just need to be humble. Because at least if we'll say, because it's all that God is trying to say to them, if you guys would just admit your sins, turn to me, I will forgive them all. I will wash you. He said, remember the beginning of Isaiah, he said, come, let us reason together. Though your sins will be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. This is God's heart. He doesn't hate us when we mess up. What he hates is we mess up and we don't admit it. That's what irritates him. That's what irritated him with these guys because they wouldn't stop. And yet they continued to be very religious and pious and everything else and playing games and wearing plastic masks. You've heard me talk about this. I, I hate plastic masks. You know, people, you know, who are just around the church. They're totally different than they are at home. Anybody ever meet anybody like that? I hope you're not like that. Don't be like that. People get around me because they know I'm the pastor. Oh, hello, Pastor Mark. Praise God. How you doing, hello. Very good to see you. Yes, we love seeing you as a faculty. But you get them alone, they're not so nice. They're waving the we're number one finger at somebody as they're driving by, you know. Coming all psycho and crazy. I was with somebody, I won't mention their name. They're not here anymore, but Oh, they're just they love Jesus, you know, but took a ride in a car with them. Holy cow. Seriously, a guy was coming unglued. Just mad as a hornet. I can't believe that guy! Get in front of me that way! Beep, beep, beep! 
I'm thinking, are you insane? <laughs> but in church, he's, I praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Screaming and yelling. I'm sure the only reason he wasn't cussing because I was there. Good grief. What's the point of all that? They hatch the eggs of vipers a spin and spin a spider's web. Whoever eats their eggs will die. When one is broken, the adder is attached. Their cobwebs are useless for clothing. They cannot cover themselves with what they make. Their deeds are evil and acts of violence in their hand. Their feet rush to sin. Now, we're talking to people. I mean, these guys literally. We're not talking about people who are struggling internally with issues. These people were over the edge. I mean, they, they were violent. They were destructive. They, that's why God destroyed the whole nation as a result of all this they wouldn't turn even as nasty as they were God will still say if you'll just stop and repent I'll forgive you well we're talking about it. and if you ever feel bad like oh God must not love me anymore because I keep struggling with stuff seriously read these people these people were as evil and wicked and rotten as any bunch of human beings have ever been I mean we're not talking about having little issues these guys were nasty sexually immoral at a a level that would make most normal people vomit. You know, they weren't just having struggles with their girlfriend. I mean, these guys were out of control. They, they were violent, immoral, disgusting. To so much that God finally couldn't take it anymore. And he destroyed the whole nation. Took them all into captivity. It was, we're coming up to that. But, uh, you know, even as nasty as they were, God was still willing to let it go. Let's make this right, God. Let's make this right. Stop. Stop what you're doing. Come to me. I will forgive you. But they wouldn't do it. Their thoughts are evil thoughts. Ruin and destruction mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. There's no justice in their paths. They've turned them into crooked roads. No one who walks in them will know peace. So justice is far from us. Righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like men without eyes. At midday we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong we are like the dead. See, he's uh, lamenting, you know, where, where's God? Where's, where's the blessings of God in our lives? Nothing's working for us. We all growl like bears. We moan mournfully like doves. <laughs> bears and doves, very odd combination there. We look for justice, can't find it. For deliverance, but it's far away. For our offenses are many in your sight, and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever before us, and we acknowledge our iniquities, rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on our God, fermenting oppression and revolt, uttering lies. Our hearts have conceived, so justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found. And whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and, it was, and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm worked salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on, a righteous, put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak according to... What they have done, so he will repay. Wrath to his enemies, retribution to his foes. 
He will repay the islands for their due. From the west, men will fear the name of the Lord. From the rising of the sun, they will reverse, revere his glory. For he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion and who, in those, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you and my words that I put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of their descendants from this time on forever and ever, says the Lord. This is that constant sway. One minute he's prophesying this incredible, I'm going to kick your butt, and then he right away turns into this time of talking about God's blessing and eventual forgiveness and restoration. Because that's what eventually happens. They eventually uh, totally were destroyed. But even when God was warning about their destruction, which they would not turn from, he said, let them know, I'm going to fix this. We're going to fix this. We're going to make it right. And I will restore you. Anyway, that's enough for tonight. See you next week.